Amen. It is good to be here with you all tonight. Good to see your beautiful faces. And I just want to take a minute to pray again into the word, and then we're going to release that word here in this place tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us, God, in your name, God, to declare your heart, God, over this nation, both north and south, God, that your kingdom would come. Lord, that your will would be done here, God, as it's done in heaven. God, we pray for an awakening of our hearts to your word tonight, God. Lord, that you would stir in us your very affections, nothing less than the very affections of the Most High God. We want nothing less than the affections and the zeal of the Most High God. We thank you, God, for this time. We love you. We look to you. And we ask these things and do these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Yes, I am uh, a worship pastor at New Philadelphia Church. For those of you who are new here, don't know who I am. It's my privilege and joy to be on staff at this fine church. And at New Philadelphia Church, if you've been around for a bit or if you're connected with the church in some way or you... Uh, you've been coming out to join prayer meeting. You've probably noticed at some point that New Philly is a church that does a lot of prayer. We have a lot of prayer meetings. I've never been in a church before that prayed as often and as organized as New Philly. I mean, it, in Canada, I'm from Canada. I'm not sure what it's like in the countries that you come from. But in Canada, the average church doesn't gather to pray that often. I, I led a prayer meeting in my home church in Canada when I was in college, and, uh, and we had an average of, I don't know, maybe four or five people that would come out every week to, to pray. And, uh, and that was significant for our church. I mean, they were committed people. And I look at this, and I see a whole lot more people committed to coming out every month and people who come out every Friday and every Sunday at, at New Philly and at your home churches or your churches here in Seoul, however often that is for you. We, we pray com- in comparison to other churches and other places in at least the Western world fairly regularly. And what I've noticed is that some of these prayer meetings are more enjoyable than other prayer meetings. <laughs> Has that been in your experience? Okay. Some, some of the prayer meetings have been, you get a sense after some of them that it's been more effective than other prayer meetings. Some prayer meetings feel more anointed than other prayer meetings. Let's be honest. Sometimes we come to a prayer meeting where we have at some point in our Christian life and it just has felt dead and empty and without any kind of anointing. Has that happened to you ever in your life? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's happened to me as well. And, uh, and that happens in some form or another, even, even in some of the prayer meetings we've had at New Philly over the years. And even this past little while, it was just recently, I'm, I'm also the director of what's called K1 Prayer Tabernacle. It's a, it's a house of prayer just down the road from here. And we do a lot of prayer. We meet three times a week, uh, combining intercession and music. But there are times when we have K1 prayer watches that have felt kind of dead. You know, K1 is, is dear to my heart. I love it. 
But sometimes we gather together and the music might be great. The singers, you know, might be singing all the right notes and the, the musicians might be playing all the right notes and it's in rhythm and sync, but still sometimes it feels just kind of dead and lifeless. On the other hand, on the other side, there are prayer meetings that I've been to that feel full of life, full of anointing, full of power. Just now in praying together, there is, a, there is a good deal of power released as we were praying for these different issues in North and South Korea. But one that stands out to me in particular, I'm not sure how many of you here were at this Permian that we had at New Philly in 2010. It, it stands above them all for me. Uh, was at the end of our 21-day fast. Okay. Diddy's smiling. There's a reason for that. Uh, there, we had... Uh, had fasted for 21 days together as a body, over 100 people. And, uh, and at the end of that fast, the last day, everyone who could got together and prayed. And something happened. Something shifted in that prayer meeting. We're praying specifically for North Korea that night. More, we were focusing on North Korea more than anything else, particularly for that night. And... And there were a couple things that happened. One was that Pastor Christian asked all of the men in the room to stand up and rebuked them all <laughs> because they were not engaging in prayer. But something happened after that, that there was just this roar of prayer that rose up unlike anything I've ever felt before or since that time. And the room was so filled with the presence of God in the place of intercession that we were just kind of blown away. And we left that prayer meeting and we all, we all experienced the same thing, but we had different ways of describing what it felt like. Yeah, okay, Pastor Marcus says something like the Super Bowl. For me, I, growing up in Canada, hockey is also dear to my heart. Honestly, this is honestly, it was the only way that I could describe what I felt. It was like winning a championship in hockey. I don't know if it's like winning the Stanley Cup. I've never won the Stanley Cup. I'd like to someday. That will have to happen as like a coach or a scouter, not a player, obviously. Uh, but it felt like winning something and that a feeling of like, man, something happened, something shifted, and we connected with something real and something, something really real just happened right now. And I, I tell you what, beyond anything else, when I think about what was different about that prayer meeting compared to some other prayer meetings that we've had, what stands out is that the people in that place connected to the heart of God. There was a connection with God's heart. There was real, sincere passion that was rising up for the people of North Korea. There was a connection, there was an explosion in the spirit, and it was, it was an incredible thing. And when it comes down to it, that is really the biggest difference, I believe, between different types of prayer meetings is how well the people of God are connecting to the heart of God. Does that make sense? And what I'm realizing is that there's a big difference between 
knowing the heart of God and connecting to the heart of God. Because the thing is, we know all about the heart of God by this point. We have all sorts of information about what God likes, about the passions of God's heart, what God wants. We know all about it. And in that place, we tend to pray with an understanding in our mind of what God wants, coming into agreement with his heart and speaking that forth in the place of prayer. But what I feel God is after tonight and beyond for us as a group that meets together to pray and for the English speakers and the the church in general in Korea is to be filled with his heart in the place of prayer, for our hearts to be connected to his heart, to actually love the people that we pray for. I feel like God, more than anything else, he just wants to release a fresh wave of his heart into our hearts for the things that we're praying for. And so what I want to do tonight is look at 1 Corinthians 13. You can turn your Bibles open there. A passage that is relatively familiar to many of us. First Corinthians 13. And so now we're going to talk about loving people, what loving people looks like, especially in regard to the, the place of prayer, loving people in the place of prayer. I'm going to be reading from the NIV tonight out of 1 Corinthians 13, so follow along with me. And I'll actually start with the last phrase of chapter 12. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patience. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. Out of this passage, what I want to do is touch on a couple of insights that I've received lately that have confronted me in the place of love, both in prayer and beyond prayer. Things that God has confronted me with that I'm going to share with you from this passage tonight. First thing I want to share, first observation from this passage is that it is possible to pray for people without loving them. Okay? It is possible to pray for people without loving them. Now, the context of this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, follows uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives a list of spiritual gifts that are being exercised that are active in the church. All sorts of gifts like wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers. These, these gifts are in operation in the church of Corinth. And then Paul says, those are good, and I want to encourage you to use those. But now I want to show you how those gifts relate to love. And how to exercise those gifts, those gifts in the place of love. And so what he does in the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, he takes a few of the gifts he just mentioned in the past chapter and he talks about how if you don't exercise those gifts in love, they amount to absolutely nothing. Okay? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so if I have the gift of tongues, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I'm prophetic and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have the gift of knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, if I have the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, that's the gift of giving that Paul is referring to. But have not love, I gain nothing. So Paul just takes a few of these gifts and he plugs them in here. You can take whatever ever other gifts you want from that list and it's the same thing. If I have the gift of healing, if I go and have a healing conference and I heal thousands of people, but don't do that in love, I am Nothing. But Pastor John, I mean, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame can walk all by the power of God. How is that nothing? God says, you gain nothing and you are nothing when you exercise the gifts that he gives you apart from love. 
What strikes me is just that it's possible to exercise the gifts without love. As a praise leader, it's possible for me to get up on stage on a Sunday or a Saturday or a Friday or whatever day of the week and lead praise and direct people into the very presence of God without any kind of love for them. God says that's nothing. You are nothing because you did that without loving them. I was actually, I remember the first time I was confronted with that. I was serving at, at Onity as a praise leader there. And one day I was on stage and, and uh, there's a big group at Onity. It's, it's like a thousand, 1500 people. And God told me, look out there on stage. You're about to lead praise. What I want you to do is simply love them. I want you to love them. Whatever you're doing right now needs to be done in love. And that struck me. Lord, I, I haven't been loving them, you know? He's like, John, you need to love them with my heart. You can do all these things without love. I want you to do it in love now. You can go out on the streets and evangelize. You can even win people to Christ. You can speak life into people and heal Sick, heal a sick. You could you could raise the dead without loving any of them, Paul is saying. It's actually possible to do that. You can have a Bible study with your small group, and you can teach them night after night, week after week. It's possible to actually do that without loving the people. Paul says that's nothing. It's possible to gather in a room like this month after month after month after month and come here and pray with the fullness of faith and prophesy over this land and not love one person that you prayed for. Paul says that's actually possible. And if you are to do that, he said it actually amounts to nothing. If we're honest with ourselves, to what extent are we loving people in this place as we pray for them with the love of God, with the heart of God? To what extent does that burn inside of us? Paul says you are nothing, you gain nothing if that's where you're at. This struck me as well a few years ago when I, I went, I, I took a few trips to the Tibetan mountains of China in the Himalayas. And what I did when I went there was I took a group of, a small group of singers, musicians, and intercessors. And we got in a plane, went to China, landed in like central China, then drove into the mountains, up into the mountains to sing and pray and prophesy over the land. Just something that God had, had put in my heart to do, an idea I had. And so we did this a few times where we'd go to these, uh, these places, what we felt were strategic places spiritually overlooking mosques and overlooking cities and that sort of thing. And we just declare the love and the goodness and the sovereignty and the kingship of God over these places and prophesy. 
And one year, I took this one particular girl who, when she went, we, we went there, we got to the place, and we started, we took out our guitars and our, our instruments and that sort of thing. We set up shop to, to uh, sing and pray and prophesy. And as we started to sing over the land, all she would do is just start to cry. And we, we'd be like halfway into a song, I'd be looking at her just like, are you, are you okay? Like what, like, what are you doing? And she would, just, she would just cry and she would like try to sing, but she couldn't get the words out because she was all choked up because you can't sing very well when you're crying. And, and it happened time after time. And I, like I got kind of frustrated and annoyed. Like we're here to pray and prophesy over the land. What's wrong with you, you know? Get with it. And... Uh, and I felt the Lord arrest me in that, in that moment and, and say, John, stop. I want you to honor her because she's experiencing and manifesting something of my heart over this land. She's actually feeling what I'm feeling. What are you doing? And, and I didn't, I didn't hear those words specifically, like, like just like that, but that was a sense that I was getting like, like leave her alone and learn something basically. And, and it, it struck me and I, it didn't strike me entirely. Then I was still too dull to get it. But when I reflected on it after I was like, man, I, it was, I feel like God put it in my heart to go to these places and do these sorts of things. But when it came down to it, a lot of it was my desire to prophesy over the land and my desire to see the kingdom manifest in that place and the kingdom advance and be established and my desire to exercise my authority over that place. You know, I know who I am. I'm going to go exercise my authority and I'm going to do something for the kingdom. And God says, if you don't have love for the people you're ministering to, all you've done amounts to nothing. You are nothing, you gain nothing. First point is simply that it is possible to pray for people without loving them. Second point from this passage. Is that prayers that we pray need to line up with our lives. Ministry on every level needs to line up with your life. As a praise leader, I'm confronted with that regularly. As a praise leader, I lead a lot of songs that have very lofty lyrics, right? And anyone in praise ministry will, will know this and will have had to face it on a certain level. But you're singing about your full-on love for Jesus. Is that actually the way that you live your life? You know, is that, at the very least, is that your intention? Is that where your heart is at? Are you at least doing that in faith? When you preach, you have to live what you preach. If I lived what I preached in the messages that I've preached, if I just did that, that would be pretty 
you know, that'd be, I would be in a great place, you know, I would be in like, I would just, I would feel like, man, that, that's all I really need to do is, is live the words that I've preached. The thing is, we don't often see it that way for intercession. When you intercede for people, there needs to be a connection with your life. Okay? Love will always require action. Love is a verb. I think DC Talk sang that once upon a time. If you don't know who DC Talk is, it's okay. It can be really easy to gather in this room or a room like it and pray for people, even pray for people on some level of sincerity, and then walk out the building and deny your prayers by the way that you live. For example, we could be praying for the youth of the nation. Lord, give us the youth of this nation. God, awaken the hearts of the youth of this nation. God, pour out your love on the youth of this nation. And then you walk out the door and you see a group of youth standing down there smoking and cursing and just being annoying. And you can just think, man, that's so, so annoying. Why can't they just, you know, whatever. And you just, you just get filled with annoyance for the people you were just praying for in this place. And I've done that. I've seen myself do that. Where I just get, like, I should be in love with the youth of this nation. Whenever I see someone who is a teenager, I should be filled with compassion for that person. Because in the place of prayer, I feel it. But then I walk out the room, and I have no interest in them. You know, even, even if I'm not annoyed, sometimes my, there's absolutely no stirring in my heart. There's a whole lot of stirring up here. But when I went down there, nothing. Even when we pray, and we at K one we pray a lot over over the land, over the city of Seoul, and and we do it here as well. And we pray over Itaewon, and and Itaewon Church has focused on that a lot since since uh, the last couple of years when they started up uh, doing worship and having church here. But we can pray for Itaewon over and over and over again, and then walk through Itaewon because we do all the time and have no stirring for what's going on there. Just last night at New Philly, we had our evangelism, our monthly evangelism night. It's our official evangelism night as a church corporately doing this called 1038. And it was an awesome time. We, uh, most of the people broke up and went into restaurants and cafes and just they chilled, they ate, they drank and connected with people in the restaurants and the cafes and the bars. And there's one group of us that, that went in front of the Hamilton and we broke out some instruments and started worshiping. And it was, it was awesome. We had a fantastic time doing it. We didn't intend to make money, but we ended up making money anyways. <laughs> because... People just wanted, they, you know, we weren't, 
really busking. We were worshiping, but, you know, whatever, you know. The money will go to the kingdom. We'll do something worthy with it. Uh, but we had this evangelism night last night. The thing is that so often for myself, we have this once a month opportunity to do this corporately. And I go and I do it. And then for the rest of the month, what am I doing in Itaewon? Every day when I'm walking down the streets, I mean, the least I can do is be praying when I'm walking down the streets of Itaewon. Never mind having my eyes open for whoever God wants me to connect with and for whoever, whoever he wants to love through me when I'm there. If we're praying for Itaewon, if we want to see the land revived and transformed, we need to do something about it with our lives. And if we aren't doing something about it with our lives, then what does that say about our prayers? Did we actually mean what we were praying? Was there sincerity in it? Our lives need to connect with the prayers that we're praying. The thing is, concerning God's heart that he wants to fill us completely with his heart. He wants to saturate us so much with his heart that it's not about us striving in the flesh to pray, but about us connecting with his heart on a heart level and just flowing with what he's doing. The thing about God's heart is that there is absolutely nothing half-hearted about it. There is nothing fickle in the heart of God. The heart of God is a raging fire, beloved. When God looks at North Korea, there is a raging God-sized fire in his heart for that land. And we will pray with some level of sincerity for it, for maybe one minute, two minutes, and then we're tired of praying for it. That's enough. We'll go to the next topic because we're lacking that connection with the heart of God. Believe me, when you're connected to the heart of God, you don't want to stop praying for something until you sense in the spirit clearly that something's accomplished in it. You really don't. When you have the heart of God, you want to just keep flowing with that heart and keep praying. You can't pray long enough until there's a break. You feel in the spirit and something is accomplished. And that's simply what I feel God wants to impart tonight. Just that. That he would impart to us a fresh wave of his heart connecting and filling our hearts. And so that's, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to ask Soleil to come up and, and just play. But we're going to take some time to ask the Lord for that. The good news about it is that God is fully for it. And what God wants to do, we don't have to strive or strain for Now you can close your eyes. We're going to go right to prayer right now.